During the Epiphany season, the texts have pointed us toward greater things than these. Jesus called fishermen to fish for people. The mighty words and deeds of Jesus gave glimpses of the coming reign of God. Mark relentlessly drives us forward to greater things with his and immediately. And these lessons have spoken to our current interim state as a congregation, pointing to elements that may help us as we search for a new lead pastor and seek the next stage in the life of this congregation. So here, at the end of the Epiphany cycle, we ask, what then could be greater? And to help answer that question, the text points us to Jesus only and going down the mountain. What could be greater? Part one. The verse prior to our text reads this way. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, some are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God has come in power. And suddenly we're on a mountain, high apart. Jesus is transfigured before Peter, James, and John, the clothes dazzling bright, brighter than any fuller could make them. Moses and Elijah are there, a voice from above, out of a cloud, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Is this the greater thing? Christians have commemorated this event at a place called Mount Tabor, in the southern part of Galilee. It sits about 450 meters above the town below and the Jezreel Plain. It's been the site of pilgrimage to commemorate the Transfiguration since the fourth century. At the top of it is a church finished about a hundred years ago built on the remains of an earlier Byzantine church. It has an absolutely stunning sanctuary. And on August 5th, it's designed this way, August 5th is the day when the church commemorates the transfiguration, um, it is illuminated by the beams of the sun that strike glass on the floor in just the right way, reflecting this uh, into the chancel. And there, the symbol for the transfiguration, if you look on the glass, is a peacock. This sight has always inspired me but not as much as this last spring when Rhoda and I were traveling with a family, good friends of ours, and we didn't take the narrow zigzag road with a taxi going way too fast up to the top of the mountain. No, we decided instead to climb the mountain with our friends all the way up until we finally arrived at the top and shared together this mountain top experience. Is this it? The greater thing? I mean, 
Mountaintops are important in the Bible. At Ararat, the ark came to rest. At Moriah, Abraham was given a ram in the thicket rather than his son to sacrifice. At Sinai, Moses met God and received the Ten Commandments. And then again, at Moriah, the first temple was built by Solomon. Do these look like the greater things? I mean, mountaintop experiences are something we all have from time to time. Sometimes it's in nature. Those of you who are adventuresome maybe have even climbed a mountain of sort. Maybe it's in sport. If it were some other year and the Packers happened to be in the Super Bowl and happened to win, that would be a mountaintop experience, right? Yeah, okay. And there are mountaintop experiences in life. The birth of a child. Graduation. A wedding. The grandchildren coming at Christmas. And then... In our faith walk, there are mountaintop experiences. It may be when a particular scripture is read, or a song strikes us in just that way, or we are gathered with certain people at a certain place, and Jesus seems so close. Is this the greater thing, these mountaintop experiences? I mean, we relish them. We seek them. Are these moments what it's about? The greater things than these? Part two, Jesus only. Let's remember that verse before the text. They will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God has come in power. In our text, there are actually two scenes. One is the transfiguration. And then the other, suddenly, looking around, Peter, James, and John saw no one, but Jesus alone with them, which is greater, seeing Jesus transfigured or seeing Jesus with us every day. See, there's a problem with mountaintop experiences. They're great, but they don't last. I mean, the Packers are not in the Super Bowl this year, right? The memory might, but the experience fades. And most of life is not a mountaintop experience. So it's quite ordinary. I mean, San Francisco and Kansas City, okay. You get the point. Some of life is a struggle. Some of life is full of sin and failure. Some of life can be terrifying. And then there is an end to this life. It doesn't go on forever. I suggest to you that the kingdom of God coming in power is in fact the second scene when they saw no one but Jesus alone 
with them. For the disciples on the mountain, they were frightened, and Peter didn't know what to say. But with Jesus present, all fear is gone. One of the three there would write later, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Where is God's glory? When Jesus is with us. When it looked like the boat was going to sink because of the storm, Jesus stilled the storm. He was with them. When the demonic rose up, he cast it out. When the little girl was dead, Talitha Kumi, maiden, arise. Now at this point in the story, Jesus' followers were plenty confused about him. All that talk of the Son of Man has to go to, through great suffering and re be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I mean, Peter rebuked Jesus about that. But Jesus didn't walk away. He was still with them. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. For us, it's no different. When things are falling apart at home, the memory of a mountaintop experience doesn't help that much. But Jesus is with us. When sin gets the upper hand and we can't imagine that God would forgive us, Jesus is still there with us alone. And when life is slipping away, the great moments of the past are just a memory. Jesus alone holds us close. Jesus announced the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the good news. And here he is with us. Emmanuel, God with us, with us, always to the end of the age. It is a promise and it is a presence to rely on. Jesus with us. going down the mountain. The story of the transfiguration ends with these words. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until the Son of Man was raised from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Okay, the disciples were confused. Even after the prediction of the Passion, after, even after he told his followers, if you want to be my followers, deny yourselves, take up the cross and follow me. Even after the glimpse of the resurrection in heaven that they had experienced on the mountain and the voice, this is my son, they were still confused. And I think we can cut them some slack because we're often confused. We wonder what God is doing or if God is even around. But as they were going down the mountain, Jesus was still with them. He would stay with them all the way to Jerusalem. He would share a meal with them called the Passover. He would walk with them to Gethsemane. And then when they turned their backs and walked away from him, he didn't. 
he would not abandon his mission. Instead, he would climb another mountain, Calvary. And what God would do in Jesus on the mountain of Calvary would far surpass anything God had done on any mountain previously. This is the greater thing than these. This is the greatest thing of all. And then after three days, he would rise again. Behold, my hands and my feet, he said to his followers when he was with them again. Handle me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and blood as you see I have. As we in this congregation seek God's direction in our time transition, not much is clearer to us either. We have something in common with those first disciples, but we also have something else. Jesus is with us. And as we go through life, with its twists and turns, Jesus is still with each of us. When we're young, hearing the stories of Christmas and Easter, Jesus is with us. As we become adults and the questions become harder, Jesus stays with us. And whether the days are good or not, I am with you always, he said, and we are encouraged. From baptism to life's final breath, we're never alone. In a certain city, there was a woman named Sarah. Despite the hustle and bustle around her, Sarah always felt longing for something deeper, something more profound than the world could offer. One evening, after a particularly exhausting day, she sat on a bench in a park in a quiet corner. As she sat there, gazing at nothing in particular, she whispered a prayer. Lord, she prayed, I feel lost and alone. Please be with me and guide me. As her words faded, a gentle breeze swept through the park, stirring the leaves and rustling her hair a bit. In that moment, she recognized a presence, a warmth that enveloped her. Although she saw nothing, she was sure it was Jesus. And then, what was that in the wind? Did she hear something? Words? Don't be afraid. I am with you always. It was a sacred moment. Her fears melted a bit, replaced by a sense of peace and serenity. She sat there for a while. She doesn't remember how long, but she was not alone, and neither are we. On this Sunday, when we remember Peter, James, and John climbing up a mountain with Jesus, we're about to begin a journey of our own in Lent. And with those disciples, 
we will leave behind the visions of glory and walk an uncertain path to another mountain, Golgotha, where we'll see Jesus not glorified, but suffering, not speaking with Moses and Elijah, but hanging between two thieves. There's no glory there, just pain and suffering. Still, it's God's best moment, God's best work. And then, after three days, What could be greater? So I was working on this sermon, I thought of the irony of the fact that for us, it's Transfiguration Sunday. For the rest of the world, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Right? <laughs> so what could be greater? Let me be clear. Not Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> not Brock Purdy and not Taylor Swift. <laughs> Jesus alone is with us. And he's the sign that God's kingdom is at hand. Even if going down the mountain seems a little uncertain. Nonetheless, let us be going. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.